Glad you're here. Hope you had a wonderful holiday Thursday and stretching that celebration out. Hope you save a little bit of partying for this morning because we've got a wonderful message to celebrate together. And I'm excited about it. That'll shock you, I know. But uh, very, very much looking forward to this. It's a message of thanksgiving. I got to warn you, though, as usual, it's a humdinger. You know what I'm saying? The Word of God is serious. Just once, Mike, just once I want one of those fluffy, nice messages to just float out there, like be a rainbow in someone else's cloud. That'd be easy. But today, as wonderful as our topic is, again, it requires work. It requires obedience. It requires a response from us appropriate to the message that God would have for us. And that's good. That's good. It's a message that I've become very, very passionate about, and I hope you'll join me in that, because there's an enormous amount at stake here. We talk about wanting to be obedient to the Lord. We cannot be obedient followers of God without being thankful people. We talk about wanting to worship. That's why we're here. We can't fulfill our purpose as true worshipers if we're not thankful people. We want the joy. We want the abiding in Christ. We can't abide joyfully in Christ if we're not thankful people. Do you see all that's at stake? Gratitude is a make or break. A thankful heart is a prerequisite for pleasing God. And it strikes me that this morning, and this is a good thing, we still, we have at least two different audiences this morning. We have those of you who've received Christ as your Savior out of gratitude, and you're now looking forward to living for Him as thank you, as, as a, a grateful follower of Christ. And we have others that have yet to receive Christ as your Savior. And that's okay, because this is the great place to be. And this message of gratitude can strike each one of our hearts. As we said, for those of you that are saved, for those of you who know Jesus Christ personally, celebrate, respond, say thank you through obedience. Those of you who yet to know Christ as your Savior, this is the day, this is the morning to reach out in gratitude, say, man, the Lord Jesus did that for me. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, who may, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 1, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Today is the day of salvation. Today is that day where it clicks, where you realize that when I stand before God and he says, why would I let you into heaven? My one and only response is because I'm thankful that Jesus Christ paid for my sins on the cross. That his death and resurrection paid it all. Isn't that a message of thanksgiving? Zero I could do to earn that. All I can do is be thankful. And so we would pray that this morning, today, is that time where you say, Yes, God, thank you for your gift of salvation. I receive that as my own. A lot at stake this morning. Father, we come to you thankful for the holy word of God. Thankful that you've communicated through your word, through your spirit, that you show us the way, you show us the truth, you've shown us the life, and we celebrate him and we want to honor him. And so, Lord, as we look to be thankful, as we look to learn how gratitude needs to be a part of our every minute of every day, we pray that you'd help us, that you'd be honored 
And again, we pray that new life would spring this morning in hearts here as they realize for the first time that Jesus Christ has given himself to be their Savior. And so we're thankful for this time and ask that you would work in powerful ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 69 is where we're going to start. Verse 30 through 33. Psalm 69, verse 30 through 33. The psalmist says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. The psalmist says, I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. Now you should be saying, wait a minute, I thought the series on worship was done, right? Well, that one's never going to be done because that is our life. That is our calling. That is our purpose. We are 24-7 worshipers. And to be a true worshiper, I need to magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. That's another good way of explaining worship, magnifying the Lord. And a preacher, it's not my illustration. I wish it was. It's genius, Dan. But another preacher gave me this illustration. There are two ways to magnify We can use a telescope to magnify something very big, but maybe far away. And with that telescope, we can see something that's huge right up close. And we can learn about it. We can experience it. We can say, whoa, that is cool. Or we can magnify with a microscope. We can look through a microscope and we take something very small or insignificant and somehow make it look really big and important, right? Well, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, we are always magnifying. We're either magnifying with the telescope, seeing God, how huge he is, bringing him close, making him famous, proclaiming his name in our hearts and in our mouths, or we're magnifying with a microscope. And we're looking at our own lives and we're saying, I'm the center. It's about me. Or we're looking at money and it's getting big in our view and saying, no, I got to pursue that money. Or we're magnifying pleasure in that microscope and we're saying, that's what it's about. We're worshipers. We're always worshiping. We're either magnifying God or magnifying something else that shouldn't be in that place. And so this morning he talks about magnifying with a telescope. I magnify God. I show God for how huge he is. And I do it in my own heart. How? With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the tool for magnifying God, reminding my slow and steady mind that God is worthy of all worship and praise. So there's a lot at stake. And so as the psalmist says, I magnify God with thanksgiving. He puts a premium on thanksgiving. Did you notice that? How does he compare worship through thanksgiving to sacrifices of praise? Did you sense that? He was talking about ox and bulls. What was that about? That was the old school way of sacrificing, right? We have other sacrifices of praise that we can give God, service and activity. Where does he rank thanksgiving? The psalmist says that magnifying God with thanksgiving is better than sacrifice. We have an opportunity to magnify the Lord in one of his favorite ways to be worshiped, and that's through my thanksgiving to him. As we do that, we need to look at the three T's. There's some trouble. 
There's some trouble with Thanksgiving, and we have to address that. It's kind of the elephant in the room. But then there's also a lot of teaching on Thanksgiving. And finally, there's going to be some treasure, some treasure of Thanksgiving. And so as we look at those three, good opportunity here. We start with the trouble. And while it grieves each of our hearts, we have to turn to Romans 1. If you want to read a passage that really sums up how men and women have flushed it all down the the toilet and really gone off the rails, I think Romans 1 has got to be the the, uh, quintessential passage. Romans 1 reminds us, not very subtly, about how depraved we are as humans on our own. And you can read the whole chapter if you want all of the details, but I'm going to lead us to 18, verse 18 through 23. And at the heart of the depravity, I want you to listen for what's missing. Listen for what's missing in the depravity. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. What's missing? Thanksgiving. On your own, keep reading. Keep reading about all the things that come from a thankless heart. And it won't take long to realize that that is not a path we want to be on. The thanksgiving of my heart is a lifeline to our Savior, to our Lord, to true worship. And so the trouble is that from birth, I have a sin nature. I am warped by sin. I am depraved. I'm a beautiful image bearer of God, but sin screws the whole thing up. Even when I receive Christ as my Savior and I'm given a new nature, I have all that scar tissue. I have all that bad habits, right, of pursuing the unfruitful, pursuing sin, pursuing self-worship. And what's at the heart of that? Thanklessness. Thanklessness. And so part of the trouble is what we're born with. And we get used to living out as depraved humans. We see Romans 8 kind of points this out pretty clearly too. Look at that with me. Romans chapter 8. We'll look at verses 5 through 7. Another clear way. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Those of us that have received Christ as our Savior, we can walk in the Spirit. We can leave the flesh behind. What's the problem? We wallow in the flesh, don't we? This weekend, you could look at my life and you could point out multiple times 
where instead of living in the spirit like I'm empowered by God to do, I wallowed and acted out the flesh. And one of the ways we act out the flesh every day is unthankfulness, lack of gratitude, a thankless heart. Philippians 2 brings it really home to roost for me. Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15. Turn there, make a note of this. By the way, I hope you have your great adventure pen handy from my friends John and Julie. If you don't have yours, there's one in the pew, so grab that and use that. But we can take good notes. Take good notes. And if you take notes on your phone, that's great, but hold on to this. We're going to need it. We're going to want it. And so make sure that you're taking notes, writing down, underline. One of the things that I would underline is Philippians 2, 14 and 15, because this is a daily, daily part of this. Verse 14, verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. If we want a surefire sign of a lack of gratitude, it can be found in complaining and arguing. Do all things without complaining or disputing. How are we doing as a culture as far as complaining goes? How are we doing as individuals as complaining goes, I'm amazed at myself of how and what I can complain about. Money, you ever find yourself complaining about money? This is ironic. I complain about money sometimes when I'm in the Starbucks drive through line, right? I just wish I had more money. Then I order my latte, right? <laughs> Did you know that if you are below the poverty line in the United States that you are wealthier than about 75% of the world's population? Did you know that if you're above the poverty line, as far as income in the United States, you're wealthier than about 94% of the world? We have so much, and yet I find my heart complaining about wanting more, needing more, and I complain about things like money. I have got several other examples, but you could fill them in. I I thought about the times where Christy asked how my day at work went, and I said, oh, it's a tough day. And then I think, what does that really mean? Okay, I drove to an office where the temperature was perfectly at 70 degrees, no matter what it was like outside. I sat in a posturepedic chair. I talked on the phone without using my hands, and yet it was a tough day. I even had to reset the copier once, you know? (sighs) Ringer. But you follow what I'm saying? We are so quick to complain. We are so quick to complain. And when we do that, we miss the opportunity for thanksgiving. There's one more, and this one hurts me as well. Philippians, just flip a couple of pages. This is chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious for anything. Don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Another barometer of thanksgiving, my level of anxiety, my worry. 
I asked an esteemed panel of individuals last night, is it possible to complain and be thankful at the same time? Chew on that for a bit. The most profound we got was, well, they can be, they can be real close together. I can complain about something, then I can be thankful for it, then I can complain again. But I don't think it's possible to complain and be thankful at the exact same time. How about worry? Is it possible to worry and be thankful at the exact same time? I don't know how. I don't think so. Worry is the quintessential way of me depending on myself. Thankfulness is the ideal way of being grateful that I can depend on God for all things at all times. Do you sense the trouble that we have with thanksgiving? Do you sense the dilemma that we face? And the reality is, is that we have to get past this trouble. We have to realize that as children of God, we're not slaves to the flesh, that we can walk in the spirit. We have to realize that I have the choice to not complain. I have the choice to not worry. Underline that one. Make a note on that one. I can choose to not worry. Not out of my own strength, but out of the strength of the Holy Spirit of God. And one of the best tools for avoiding complaining, for avoiding anxiety, for resisting the temptation to worry, is thanksgiving. A grateful heart. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Let's unlock some of the treasure that God has for you today. You should know that uh, God talks about thanksgiving or topics similar to it over 170 times in the Word of God. There's 102 in the Old Testament, 102 different times that the Old Testament refers to thanksgiving. There's 71 times in the New Testament, many of them direct commands to be thankful, to be thankful. The Bible is not silent on thanksgiving. It is a theme all throughout scripture. And as Mike would rightly show us, because all of scripture proclaims Christ, all of scripture is a message of thanksgiving. And so what the Bible says about Thanksgiving is pivotal. Turn with me to Hebrews 12. This was such a treasure trove when I, when I learned this verse preparing. Such a huge opportunity here. Hebrews 12, verse 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. God is clear that his children are to be thankful to our mighty, powerful, awesome God. And this gratitude Worships God acceptably. Isn't that powerful? Kids, if you're looking for something for my Christmas, I think I want Allison to make one of those signs of this verse. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. This is one of those that should be up in my house somewhere. This is one of those that should be on a sticky note in the dashboard of my car. This is one that should be in the office by the copier, right? My gratitude am I thankful. 
So as we dive into it, you can have two tips here. You can look for the framework of thanksgiving that God gives. And turn to 1 Thessalonians 5 for this. The framework, as you can see, is in all circumstances. Gratitude in all circumstances. And so 1 Thessalonians verse chapter 5, verse 18, lays this out wonderfully. And we can back up to 16 for a little context. He says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, a hint at biblical interpretation. When God says this is his will for you, take it seriously. We want to know the will of God, don't we? Here it is. What's the will of God for you? A thankful heart. A thankful heart. Some of the time, if it's going well, in all circumstances. Let's go back to Psalm 69. This was remarkable to me. Psalm 69. You look at verse 30. I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. Man, the psalmist must be on a mountaintop. You know what I mean? This must be one of those times where everything was just clicking. That it was right. It was good. Things were coming together. Take a look at verse 1. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there's no foothold. I've come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I'm weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. Do you get the sense here? Does the psalmist feel so close to God? Is he sensing the almighty power of God in his life? Can't even see God in his own heart and mind right now. Isn't that that interesting? It's in those circumstances that he says, I will magnify God with thanksgiving. That was powerful to me. When things are going wrong, it's just maybe more of an appropriate time to magnify God with thanksgiving. Because my mother told me there's always something to be thankful for. There's always something to be thankful for. The other thing she said was, it'll look better in the morning. Those were two good golden nuggets you can take from Betty. There's always something to be thankful for. And I love how the psalmist looks for the time where the waters are over his head. His throat is sore from crying out to the Lord so much. He's waiting and waiting so much that his eyes are tired for looking for God's relief. And in that state, he says, I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. That's where we need to be. That's the the framework of thanksgiving is that in every circumstance, that's the perfect time. Why? Well, look at Romans 8, 28. Some of you don't need to turn there. You know it by heart. I still turn there to make sure I read it right. But Romans 8, verse 28 lays out a crystal clear reality. Why can we thank God in every situation? Verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good for those who are called according to, for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. 
Nothing will be allowed in your life that God will not flip on its head to be the very, very best for you. Is that worth being thankful for? Nothing can go wrong that God isn't allowing so that he can exploit that for your absolute best. That's amazing. That's amazing. Why can we thank God in all circumstances? Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, nothing will be allowed to happen that will not be turned into your absolute best. I wish I could say that that would mean no pain, no heartache, no tragedy. That's not what it means. It means that even the pain, heartache, and tragedy will be exploited, flipped, changed, turned into things that will be only better for you than if they weren't allowed to happen. We can give thanks in all circumstances. That's powerful to me. And finally, Philippians 4, you saw it already, but we can be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. No stress that comes to your heart and mind is too big to resist by the power of God and instead to be thankful. No thought that enters your mind is too strong where it cannot be resisted in the strength of the Lord and fought with thanksgiving. When the next worry comes to your heart and mind, have some thanksgiving ready. Have some thoughts of thanksgiving. Father, how in the world are we going to sell that many tickets? No, you're in control, Father. You have a plan. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Thank you. Thank you that you own all the cattle on a thousand hill. Thank you that you promise to provide for our needs. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And suddenly my heart isn't focused on the worried. It's suddenly switched to the gratitude and I'm worshiping in thanksgiving. What a treasure. Isn't that something? If if you told your neighbors, hey, guess what? You never have to be overly stressed. You never have to worry. They'd look at you like you had three heads, right? But the power of Almighty God gives you the assurance that instead of worry, you can have gratitude. That is very powerful in my heart and mind. So the framework of Thanksgiving. By the way, I feel like I let you down. Part A didn't have an F heading. So I want to put the... Ferocity, the ferocity of thanksgiving. Hebrews 12 is a ferocious verse. I love it. So the ferocity. But the framework of thanksgiving in all circumstances. And finally, the frequency of thanksgiving. Colossians, and we'll stay in Colossians for these three verses. I think all indicating the frequency of thanksgiving. Now, how often are you supposed to be living for the Lord, how often are our actions supposed to be done in worship for God? How many of our activities are to be done to the glory of God? Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, that's pretty much 24-7, isn't it? Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Every single thing I do needs to be done in thanksgiving. Every minute of every day. Every minute of every day. 
I'm learning on this, my friends. I'm learning on this. There are times where I wake up about 4 a.m., have a task that needs to be done, take care of that, and suddenly I'm awake. You ever been there? And suddenly all these stresses come to my mind at 4 a.m. and all these different things that could weigh on me and sometimes keep me up for the next two, three hours, right? But I'm learning that the thanksgiving flowing at 4 a.m., the thanksgiving is the fight against the worry. And having, I'm thankful for this warm bed. I'm thankful for this safe house. I'm thankful for five treasures in this house and a couple more downstairs. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. And my heart finds peace and my eyes find sleep. It's amazing. It's amazing. In everything, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then just one chapter over, Colossians 4. Colossians 4, verse 2. Continue, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. A smart preacher said prayer should be as often as breathing. We should be in a continual conversation with God in our heads, in our hearts. And pivotal to that conversation needs to be the thanksgiving. If there's always something to be thankful for, how often can we be grateful? Every minute of every day. Thank you, Lord, for that beautiful tree as I drive by it. Thank you, Lord, that I have heat pouring out of my dashboard at a zero-degree day. Thank you, Lord, that these tires are handling this snow well. Thank you that I have a job to go to to, for you to provide for my family. I would challenge you to find one time where it's not possible to be thankful. It's always there. It's always an opportunity. It's always there. I need to train my heart and my mind so that the frequency of thanksgiving is always, always, always. Colossians 2, Colossians 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. And I like the metaphor of walking in the Lord Jesus, walking step by step by step. I wish Eric was here. He's with family celebrating, but I wish Eric was here. He walked to Dyersville. 27 miles. Took him, what, 11 hours? Step by step by step by step. As regular as those steps for Eric, that's how often we're to be thankful to the Lord. That's how often our walk with the Lord Jesus should be practiced. Step by step by step. Breath by breath by breath. Minute by minute by minute. We need a rhythm of gratitude. We need a pattern of thankfulness. We need a habit of of giving thanks. And I promise you, as these treasures will show us, it's so worth it. There's a peace and a joy and abundance that God is waiting to lavish upon you. How? As we abound in thanksgiving. Abound in thanksgiving. 
always in all things. So let's get to the treasure, shall we? The teaching is pretty clear, isn't it? Our God is a consuming fire. He is worthy of all glory, honor, and power. He is above all and before all things. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. He is worthy of our thanks. He's worthy of our thanks in every situation because he causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Nothing is outside the scope of being thankful, being able to be thankful to God because he is working all things together for your good, for your benefit. And we can be thanking God always, 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 step by step by step, breath by breath by breath, minute by minute by minute. Let's give thanks. Why? Well, because we're his children, we need to obey. But as in typical God fashion, he has unbelievable treasure in store for you and for me as we thank God. John 15, it wouldn't be an opportunity to speak if I didn't somehow reference John 15. It's my favorite. I love it. It's an intimate relationship that you have or can have through salvation with the God of the universe. And in the closing hours of his life here on earth, he laid out a roadmap for abundant joy. In verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide, and it goes on, Let me continue on to verse 12. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. The treasure of obedience, the treasure of abiding is abundant joy. And the obedience of gratitude is at the very heart of that abiding. The more grateful my heart, the more abundant the joy that he'll bring me. It's a powerful promise, powerful opportunity. Now, I'm always fascinated when the world catches on to some of these truths that God's word has said for centuries. Don't you love that? And so Harvard, Harvard has found, believe it or not, that in positive psychology research, Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. Isn't that interesting? Your very body has been made to be thankful. 
And when you are thankful, you can read dozens of studies on it, your blood pressure goes down, healthier chemicals flood your mind, depression is decreased, anxiety is decreased. Thankfulness is good medicine. Well, lo and behold, right? And yet it's kind of cool, I think, when, when we realize that even every down to every cell of my body is designed to be obedient to the Lord when he says thankfulness, morning, noon, and night. Don't you love it? So humorously, but wonderfully, there's health benefits, health benefits from my grateful heart. Consequently, there's enormous stress, negative health factors when I refuse to be thankful and instead worry or complain. And then finally, I've been hinting at this, but we glossed over it. we got to go back to Philippians 4 and look at one of the greatest treasures, peace. Peace. If you don't have it memorized yet, I'd encourage you to memorize Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and, verse 7, and the peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Some of us more than others have had tragedy that is just unfathomable for finding peace. It's not impossible for God. God promises a peace that passes human understanding. I've been in situations with some of you where people look at your your gratitude and your heart of peace and they say, how is this possible? And to God's worship, you've said it's because the peace that passes understanding is guarding my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Not only is that a powerful testimony, but it's a wonderful, wonderful assurance. It's a treasure. It's a treasure. And it makes me sad of how many times I've willingly passed on that peace because I'd rather worry or I'd rather complain or I'd rather wallow. You been there? No more. No more. There's treasure in thanksgiving. And today's the day to be obedient and to start enjoying more and more of that abiding peace and joy. So there's treasure in thanksgiving. And so as we close, we close with a Thanksgiving tack. Anyone know what a tack is? It's a team activity challenge. Team activity challenge. And so I have a great adventure tack, a gak tack, a gak tack. Your gak tack is to turn over your note page and look at your team activity challenge for the next several days. This is not my thought. This was genius. What's her name? You remember? Ann Voskamp wrote a book years ago called A Thousand Gifts. And she challenged to keep a Thanksgiving journal. And so your challenge, if you choose to accept it, will be each day to write down three things you're thankful for. You see them there? Three things you're thankful for. This will get you started. This is Monday the 28th through Sunday, December 11th. Now, you need more than this. I'm told it takes 30 days to start a habit, to form a habit, right? So this is only a start. 
So you're going to have to continue this. So find a nice journal, ladies. There's wonderful girly journals out there. Men, if you find a girly journal for this, I'm going to come over to your house. No. Men, if you look for a journal, at least it's manly, like leather bound, okay? Maybe it says big ideas on it, right? But regardless of your journal, can we do this? I was so blessed one of the last times I got to speak after encouraging you to get out into worship. I got text after text with photos of, of my loved ones in this room out in nature worshiping. Praise the Lord. What would it be like if 120 or so people said, you know what, for the next 30 days we are going to keep a gratitude journal, we are going to document, we are going to practice the habit of thanksgiving. What could the Lord do through that? I think we should find out. So I challenge you to write down three things. For me, it's going to have to be by the bedside or on the desk when I get to work. I'm going to have to just take the few minutes to do it, right? But what would God do if he started to transform our hearts and minds through gratitude? Would the gospel be clear in our lives? Would the words of the Lord be more on the tip of my tongue, ready to share them? Would my kindness to my wife and kids be richer when gratitude comes out as opposed to stress or other words? We have so much opportunity, so much opportunity. Father, thank you so much that you're a loving God, a God that forgives, a God who understands, a God who saves us, a God who isn't done with us even when we're saved, but continues to uh, work through us and work in us. Lord, we know that thanksgiving is a reasonable act of service. We know that you want us to be thankful in all things at all times. And we need your help, Lord, to become more thankful people. We do this because we love you. We do this because you are a consuming fire. We do this because we want our worship to be acceptable to you. And so we pray for thankful hearts in Jesus' name.